listening to a sermon from Hebron Baptist Church, a church in the northern Kentucky Cincinnati area that's committed to making disciples who make disciples. We want our love for God to be evident in our lives and for the Word of God to bear fruit as we go on mission across the street and around the globe. We hope after hearing this message, you'll connect with us on our website at hebronbaptist.org and visit our campus, not far from I-275 in Hebron, some Sunday morning. And now, here's a message from God's perfect, life-changing Word. Turn on your device or turn in your Bible to 1 John 4, 7. 1 John 4, 7. It's page 1084 if you'd like to read along in the translation or the Bible that's in front of you in the pew. So it's 1084. We are nearing the end of 1 John as we have walked through this book together. And we've looked at how God illuminates our life as believers, how God in us and through us changes us, how we can have assurance of our faith, how we know beyond a shadow of a doubt we are His by His work in Christ and His work through us. And today we continue that as we understand love, as love being a pouring out of love from Him and going to other people through us. This is a sign of God's work in us. And so today let us look at these famous words of Scripture some I remember as a child re- uh, reading these words or singing these songs. And so I know that this, these uh, verses are, are uh, real to us. And so let us read these together and see as God speaks, to it, speaks through it to us. Verse 7, Dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God. And everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God because God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. Love consists in this, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, if God loved us in this way, we also must love one another. For no one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God remains in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we remain in him and he in us. He has given given us of his spirit. And we have seen and we testify that God has sent his son as the world's savior. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God remains in him and he in God. And we have come to know that to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and the one who remains in love remains in God, and God remains in him. In this, love is made complete with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives out fear because fear involves punishment. So the one who fears is not complete in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, and yet hates his brother or sister, he is a liar. For the person who does not love his brother and sister, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And we have this command from him. The one who loves God must also love 
his brother and sister. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we pray as we read these words and we hear these words that God, the spirit that wrote them would plant them deep in us and that God, our lives would be changed because of it. May we know love and may we love others. In Jesus' name, amen. Many of us would say things like this. I love pizza. Or we say, I love this book. Or I love this movie. We say the word love very flippantly about things that bring us joy or bring things in return. But we would say, I think we would all agree to this, the love that a mother has for the child is deeper than saying, I love cheeseburgers. We know there is an aspect of love that is deeper than what we say it and use it for many times. Love is not a feeling. Contrary to cultural opinion that love comes or derives of some sort of affection or, or, or feeling is not how love or is love supposed to be. It is not defined that way. Love is other-centered. It is focused towards someone, not what we receive from someone. Well, in the Bible, the word agape is the Greek word. You've probably maybe heard that before in Christian circles. It is the Greek word used in the New Testament to define the love in which comes from God that comes to us that goes to other people. Love, it means to serve a person for their good and intrinsic value, not what they bring us. The Greek word agape or love seems to be a Christian invention. In all of ancient literature, there is no mention of this word. There is no mention of this term in anywhere other than 20 instances in the Greek translation of the Old Testament. It seems to be a New Testament creation. Here in these verses that we read, we see that there must be something different. Agape draws from the meaning directly from the revelation of God in Christ. We might know this in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, he gave his son. It is not a form of natural affection, however intense it may be, but it has to be the supernatural fruit of the Spirit. It is a matter of will rather than feeling. Here in these verses, and in verse John itself, the word love, beloved, loves, or loved, is repeated 29 times in 1 John. It averages nearly two appearances per verse in the section that we are reading today. To put that into perspective, love is mentioned here more than any of the Gospels. And 1 Corinthians 13 is a close second to this portion of 1 John as the most highly concentrated focus of the theme of love in all of Scripture. So as we look at it, we want to understand what is love, who is love, how do we love, and what do we grow from it? Well, what do we learn from these verses? Well, kind of in summary is this, is that because of who God is and that he has loved us, then we must love one another. Or put in a different way, 
A Christian knows they are infinitely loved by God, loves intentionally. In our verses, I want us to see five truths about love. The first is this, if you're taking notes, we are born of love. We are born of love. Verse 7 and 8 says, Dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God, and everyone who loves God has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God because God is love. As a baby, you go through this process of testing and different things to make sure to know more about the baby. But there is a moment that you fill out the paperwork for the birth certificate. To identify this baby, you put the information of the father and the mother. And, and for eternal record, or at least to the state's record, you know and identify this person from now on as being born of, for me, Frank and Patsy Dobbins. To other people, whoever your parents are, your birth certificate reveals your identity. As a believer, our birth certificate simply reads, born of God. We become a new creature. Romans 8, we read that God who he foreknew, he calls, he calls, he then justifies. We proclaim faith in Christ. We become born of God and God resides in us. We are identified as Christians of being born of God. Love is not natural to us. It is because that is a supernatural person that lives in us. Love came to the world, entering this world from God. As God loved Adam and Eve, he loved today. John says that if we have been born of God, we love. If we do not love, we can't know God. It is clear this statement helps us see that if we are believers, it is because we are born of God. We love because being born of God, his nature lives in us. John Piper wrote this. He said, so John's point is that, this, that in the new birth, this aspect of the divine nature becomes part of who we are. The new birth is the imparting of you of divine life. And an indispensable part of that life is love. God's nature is love. And in the new birth, that nature becomes part of who you are. When you are born again, God himself is imparted to you. He dwells in you and sheds, ab uh, sheds abroad in your heart his love. And his aim is that this love is perfected in you. There is a catchphrase in my home state. Virginia is for lovers. You might say to someone, well, they are a lover, not a fighter. Well, friends, if you are born of God, if you are a Christian, you are in love. You are born of love. You are a lover of people. And as a Christian, you cannot say, I'm just not a loving person. To say that, you are denying the very existence of God in you. 
You deny who God is. You are being sinful. You are being lazy. And at best, you're denying the Spirit's work in you. And at worst, you're not born of God. If we love and are born of Christ, then God is in us and so is love. Secondly, we learn here that we are saved by love. Number two, verse 9 through 11 says, God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. Love consists in this, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, if God loved us in this way, we also must love one another. As John writes, he helps us to see and understand and reveal that we are saved by love. This is how we understand the definition of what love is. When someone gives a gift, one that is memorable, it is usually because they give the gift out of extravagance. Its extraordinary nature of it is because it is something that you, they have given to you that is important. Maybe it's because you had a passing phrase that they remembered and later on they blessed you with it and you were amazed that they remembered it. Or maybe it was extravagant because it was way more than what you deserved or thought they should give you. In this way that we see how God loves us is in the extravagance and cost of love that God has given us through Jesus Christ. We see that there's extravagance because we see and read here that God's love was revealed in this way, that God sent his one and only son. He didn't give one of his sons. He didn't give a few of his sons. He gave the one and only son. And it was an indescribable gift. It is an extravagant gift because we know in this there was no greater gift possible for God to give himself. Through his son. It is in this that his son was sacrificed for his sin. But there is an even more so to understand that this gift was far more than we could ever deserve. His son was sacrificed, it says, for our sin. An atoning sacrifice. It is through Christ that we see God's both infinite holiness and love at, in action in one event. We see that God was perfectly just, perfectly holy, in that he did not just forgive or excuse sin, but instead he made a perfect payment for sin by giving up his perfect son. Justice was served. Justice, justice was on display. But in that same moment, we see how gratefully loved we are. Because it is in Christ that he died for our sin so that we didn't have to make the payment for our sin. This is not anything we could, we could uh, deserve, not anything that we were owed, but instead Christ bared the punishment for us. John Stott writes in his book, The Cross of Christ, for the essence of sin is man substituting himself for God, while the essence of salvation is God substituting himself for man. Man asserts himself against God and puts himself where only God deserves to be, but God sacrifices himself for man and puts himself where only man deserves to be. 
Notice as when John writes, he says that love consists of this, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. Notice that it was not us that initiated this moment. It is God himself. You see, nobody who knows you completely can love you completely. And that's what we find in God. You see, we want someone to know every bit about us from the top of our heads to the bottom of our toes and lift us up in love immensely. It's very unsatisfying to find someone who doesn't know you that well, but likes you. I mean, it's great that they like you. That feels good. But they don't really know anything about you. And it's certainly not satisfying that when someone knows you and doesn't like you. But what we long for is to be utterly known and utterly loved. And in Christ, we are both. In Christ, we are known for all of our sin, all of that what disgusts us about God. Everything that we know deserves the wrath of God. God knows everything about us, but in this love, he still sent his son to die for us. This is a complete and perfect love, not a love that will change when it ebbs and flows from how we obey or how it doesn't. Instead, a love that comes from God, that comes from His Son, that died on the cross for us, that we know that we are completely known and we are completely loved. As my favorite saying of Tim Keller's that we talk about a lot around here. The gospel is this, is that we are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. Yet at the same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. So how do we know true love? Is it from a fairy tale? Is it from a romance novel? Is it from another person? No, it is only because God in his wisdom and holiness and love sacrificed for us in our place showed what true love is. We are saved by love. Three, we learn here in 1 John that we are revealed by love. Verse 12, no one has ever seen God If we love one another, God remains in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how that we know we remain in him and he is in us. He has given us his spirit. And we have seen and we testify that the father has sent his son as the world's savior. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God remains in him and he in God. And we have come to know and believe the love that God has for us. God is love and the one who remains in love remains in God and God remains in him. John really emphasizes the indwelling of God in our lives in these verses. God's indwelling is mentioned three times in this paragraph. This reminds us that God's indwelling our heart results in love and actions. You see, it is in our our fallen and unredeemed state that we are both blind, unable to believe, and selfish, unable to love. 
And it is only by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, it is only by the indwelling of God himself in our hearts and on our lives that we are then able to love. Therefore, it is the result of God that we reveal love in our lives. And therefore, it is that Spirit's presence in us, in our hearts, that we grow and remain in love. So as we love, we are showing the world that Christ is in us. As we love and we remain in that love, we see who God is. You see, it is in our love for other people we reveal who God is, who though invisible, people get to see through us. As we grow in our faith and grow in our love for others, we are growing in the Spirit's control in us. So when we love, we reveal whose we really are. We are God's. One of the ways that we grow we grow in love is that when we serve someone to get, uh, we serve someone not just to get something in return, but to serve them because it is for their good and they bear the image of God. We have said love is this, is that when, when you serve someone for their good and their intrinsic value and worth, but what creeps into our life is it a counterfeit love. A counterfeit love or fake version of love is selfish affection where you are attracted to someone and treat them well because of how they make you feel about yourself. It's sort of like when a child adores you more because they want something for you from you. Oh, mommy, daddy, boy, I would really love you if you just give me that cookie. And you know, sometimes that doesn't work. But let's be honest. There's sometimes you're just give in to give that cookie because you want that love and affection. And you want to be the good parent for the day. Or you want to get something in return. But friends, loving is not to get something in return. That is a fake love. That is a counterfeit love. You and I are the cookie giver, and I love you, and we'll see. Uh, we, our, our kids will sing songs about us and, and talk about us because we have given them a cookie. But that's not true love. We laugh about this, but isn't that how we treat our friends sometimes and our coworkers? And let's be honest, our spouses and our family members, that we're so self-focused that we will love only when we are getting what we really want in return, when the things are going our way, when, when things are, 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 we're feeling love, that we're getting all that we want, and when we don't, what do we do? We lash out. We get angry. We mope around the house. We ignore them. Friends, that is a self-focused love. And unfortunately, many of relationships are based and made on that. What you give for me, I will then love you. But we see this after relationship after relationship. When that feeling, when that thing, when that reward, when, when whatever goes away that we don't get in return, what do we do? We leave. 
And that's not love. Love is dedicated, intentional decision to love even when we don't feel like it, when we don't get what we want. And the more that this grows in us, the more we are revealing the Spirit's power and presence and authority in our lives. John Stott observed, No one who has been to the cross and seen God's immeasurable and unmerited love displayed there can go back to a life of selfishness. So in what way do you need to grow in love to reveal more of God in you? Whom do you need to love more selflessly? Whom do you need to depend on your love in God, in your heart to give and love others instead of expecting or wanting something in return? Are you growing in love today? Because it is in love that we reveal whose we are and who's in control of our hearts. Fourthly, we are confident because of love. We're confident because of love. Verse 17 changes the focus here by John, but he says, in love we are made complete with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives out fear because fear involves punishment. So the one who fears is not complete in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and yet hates his brother or sister, he is a liar. For the person who does not love his brother or sister whom he has, who he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Here is this beautiful result of love. That fear is conquered. John talks and switches as we talked about last week of how we have in Christ this wonderful confidence, this wonderful joy that because we know Christ is returning, that we follow Christ, that we live for Christ now, knowing that he's going to come and return and that we will be with him and that we will be made like him. Well, John goes even further to say, wait, in the future... Love will bear out because you will have confidence before the throne of God. Perfect love casts out fear. What fear? Well, there's two, I believe, that, that love drives out. One, fear in this world that we know that no matter how unloved we feel or no matter how bad we feel apart from the world or no matter how useless we may feel at times, that fear of being unloved is driven out by God's love for us. We don't have to be in fear. We don't have to fear being alone. We don't have to, to fear being afraid. We don't have to fear trying to gain love or approval of others by doing things that we know we shouldn't or things that we feel like we should. This constant racing to get approval of others. This love drives out fear because this love is a perfect love that God loves us not because of us, but in spite of us he loves us. This perfect love is unfailing and so we stand knowing this that we fear no wrong we fear no loneliness we fear not being apart from anyone because in God we are always loved but John specifically also writes here 
that before the judgment seat of God, we can gain confidence. We fear because we know at the day of judgment, we, we know that by, there is no merit that we could gain entrance to heaven. But we also know at the day of judgment, by any merit, we deserve hell and the wrath of God. So what perfect love is it? What perfect love drives out this fear? It is Christ who died for our sin. Ephesians 5, 1 through 2, Therefore be imitators of God as dearly loved children and walk in love as Christ also loved us and gave himself for us a sacrificial fragrant offering to God. It is in this sacrifice that we stand before God not in fear but in love. We stand before God one day having the same feeling as the prodigal son that Jesus teaches us about. Remember the parable of the prodigal son that he had gone away, has wasted his life, lived a life for his own, spent up his inheritance, lived in a world of sin, and he came to a place knowing that there was no hope for him except for just to be even possibly the servant of his father. And imagine him moping towards his parents in his father's house, expecting to look up and seeing the disapproving look of his father waiting to see his father standing there with his arms crossed, ready to give you the I told you so speech. Ready to say that, yes, you have no place in my house, but you can stay in the servant's quarters. You will be far from me. But those of you who remember the parable, is that what he found? No, he, he saw a father from way out, running, bounding, running after him, leaping towards him, that his son had returned, that he was waiting with open arms, with an unfailing, never giving up love, that he welcomed him back into his house. And friends, this is the wonderful feeling that we will have on the day of judgment. One thinking that of fear, but the love of Christ will invade our hearts to find a father welcoming us home. This wonderful love is so deep and so good that it drives out any fear that we could ever have. Isn't it good to know that this love of Christ casts out the fears that we have confidence in life? And so today, if you are worrying about your salvation, if you are worrying about whether God loves you or whether that you would have acceptance of Him, listen, hear this, accept what did John say? The atoning sacrifice of Christ. The love of Christ. Accept him. It will not falter. It will not let you down. It will not run out because on the day of judgment, you will know his love is sufficient for you. Accept Christ today and let love cast out fear in your life. Today, if you are loved of God, don't allow fear to rule your hearts, but instead let love reign within. Fifth and finally, we come to the landing point of verse 21 that we probably all assumed as we began these verses in verse 21. And we have this command from him. The one who loves God must also love his brother and sister. Well, duh. 
Pastor, you've been going for about 20 minutes now. We, we were kind of waiting for this part. Yeah, we are supposed to love others. I, I was kind of here for the, the, the 20 steps to love my spouse better. Um, the, the, the 15 reasons why I should love more selflessly. Well, friends, that's not how the Bible has been written. And John, and through the Holy Spirit's leading, said that we had to get through this for us to be able to love. Telling you to love and showing you how to love is better than not knowing that you have the ability to love. What have we learned? That we have been born of God. That something otherworldly lives in you so that you might love. That we have seen what true love looks like. That it is laying down our very selves for someone else. We have seen that we have confidence that through love, that we have heaven to gain, that we have a, a Father who loves us. It is this result of love in you that wants you now to obey this command in verse 21. Obey me and love others. And herein lies this command. Now we didn't read this because we just didn't have time in our series, but 1 John 3.16, I think some good thing. John 3.16 1 John 3.16. This is how we have come to know love. That he laid down his life for us. We should also lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Friends, this is our command now as believers. That we live lives of love. That we live because we are people of love. We love because the spirit lives within us. And so it is our command and what we follow in obedience that we love. We don't love just when we really like the person. We don't love just when the Spirit moves. Friends, the Spirit is already inside of you. So Christ commands us to love. Think of how Christ has commanded us to love over time. That Christ tells us to love our neighbor. Who are you serving today? Who are you serving that is around you, that has a need in your class, in your neighborhood, someone of acquaintance that you know needs God's love? Who are you loving? Christ goes even further than that. He says, love your enemies. Who is it that you have not forgiven? You have grown bitter. Or you think they don't deserve it. If you think these things, repent. Because you don't know God. God's love is in you, it says. You can't not know God and not love someone else. You, if you love God, you love others. And even our enemy, or whom we think is our enemy. We received love, therefore we need to love everyone. So how do you need to love someone whom you feel is against you today? Whom do you need to love that seems unlovable? But John says a specific love here several times. John says, love your brother and sister. Well, who is this? What's well, fellow Christians? It's people who, who have love in them as well. And fellow Christians, we must know that we must love one another. The Bible says that they know God because of our love for each other. That is why the church is so valuable and important to our discipleship, to our Christian life, 
to our Christian living because it is in these relationships with brothers and sisters that we obey the command of Christ to love. So how are you sacrificing for a church member? How are you showing love for another believer? How are you talking in love about another church member? Are you forgiving? What is it about your life that shows you are commanded and obeying the love of loving a brother or sister in Christ? How might you be challenged to love and obey the command to love others? Well, we know in our culture that love songs sell well. It's a hot topic. Every artist has to have some sort of love song. And think of this topic of love. We seek to find what does love really mean? Well, in 1967, the Beatles wrote, All You Need Is Love. Well, we know that in that song, though, is a good generic song. And sometimes our culture has adapted that, that all you need is a generic love. But we know that that sort of love fails us. About 10 years later, in 1976, Queen sang, Can anyone find me somebody to love? Well, romantic love and loving relationships, we tend to try to make the answer of all of our problems in our lives, but we know that is, that is not really the source of love. Well, my two favorite people, Dolly Parton wrote, not too long from that date, and then in 1992, Whitney Houston sang that was on the radio constantly, forever and ever, in the 90s, I will always love you. But again, as much as we say and say to someone, I will always love you, we know that feelings flicker and fail unless it is an intentional love for someone we understand that we will not, unless the help of someone else in us, love someone forever. So maybe the best song that helps us understand love was written long before that. It's probably a song that you know. Even if you're a Christian, not here, and not a Christian, excuse me, you might have heard it sung once or twice. In 1862, a song was written. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. But it's not just that we are told so. One of the verses, Jesus loves me, he who died. Heaven's gates are open wide. He will wash away my sin. He will let his children come in. So today, we are fueled by the love of God. Are you not loving? Would you say that your life is not uh, characterized by loving other people? Well then, brother, sister, your, your first step is to re return to the first love that has come into you. The selfless, the giving, the love that came from Christ to you. And you say, I need to love more like this. And it will guide your steps to love people around you. But if you're not loving and you are fearful and you are not sure of how you will love, then friends, maybe you need to be born again 
in Christ that you would be saved today. Don't leave here today hearing about this wonderful gift of Christ and not call out to him to receive a love that saves. Then in him, you will love perfectly. Let us pray. God, we are thankful for the reminder of your word to love and how we are grounded and born in love through Christ. So Christ, today we pray that your love indwells in us. Help us to reveal more of you to others by our selfless love around the world and to each other and to our neighbors and to our spouses, to our friends, to our parents. God, may we show your love to the world. God, I pray today that if there is someone here that does not know you, that by faith they will receive the love gift of Christ and his atoning sacrifice for their sins. And God, today that you would begin a work in them that will be completed when you welcome them home to heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Hebron Baptist Church. We pray as you have listened, the Holy Spirit has worked in your heart that you may faithfully follow him. Most importantly, we hope that you've been drawn into a relationship with God. At Hebron, we believe that the gospel is the central message of the Bible. The gospel is that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, who was born of the Virgin Mary, lived a sinless life, and died for our sins. But he was raised from the dead and ascended to the right hand of God. The most appropriate response to hearing this good news is turning from sin and turning to Christ. Don't stay far from God. Instead, repent and believe in Christ and be brought into an intimate relationship with Him. If you would like more information about this life-changing decision, please contact us through our website at HebronBaptist.org or even better, come see us on a Sunday morning. May God bless you as you follow Him. Amen.